morning. Um, give you a little warning. I'm, it may take me a second to get through this. when I lost a really good friend earlier this week and his passage just perfectly sums up her entire life. Today's reading comes from Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 13. Therefore, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think on yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many, many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the with Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Joe. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing when someone reads Scripture and has a particular person in mind that models that. And, and John, uh, uh, Joe, appreciate your, your uh, sharing that with us. Um, you know, there are a, a, a number of exercises I do throughout the day. You know, I, I physically exercise by walking the dog. I spiritually exercise by reading devotions and having prayer. But I also mentally uh, exercise, and, and one of my mental exercise, exercises is uh, to do the, this, uh, uh, and I can't even recall what, the, what it is, but it's like once a day, uh, this jumble of words, and they'll, they'll be uh, like today, it was all uh, words that meant run, like skedaddle. Uh, and, uh, and yesterday, the, the first clue was t- uh, t- when it's time to retire. I mean, the very first thing that comes up, when, is, when it's time to retire, and I'm, I'm going, eventually? 
And the answer was bedtime. Yeah. Because you know, if you're old, you start thinking about retirement. If you're a kid, you're going, I don't want to retire. <laughs> I want to stay up, watch the rest of the movie with mom and dad. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is to listen to stories, uh, audio books. And, uh, and one I recently listened to, uh, it, was, it was called, uh, now let me flip this on the right side, When Time Stopped by Ariana Neumann. And, and it's the story of a daughter who is discovering her father's past. Uh, and an example of how, uh, how much she didn't know about her father. First of all, her father grew up in Czechoslovakia uh, and uh, was there uh, during, uh, the, uh, during World War II, uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, her mom uh, is uh, Venezuelan, and, and her father moved to Venezuela with his brother, and, uh, and eventually Ariana came on the scene. I- anyway, Ariana just d- knew very little about her dad's uh, side of the family and their past. Uh, she was uh, uh, at Tufts University in Massachusetts as a freshman, just entering in, just beginning, and so all the freshmen were gathering together for orientation, and, and this one uh, young man comes up to her and says, uh, we need to get together and, and, uh, and talk because we've got so much in, in common. And she goes, uh, like what? Well, he said, first of all, we're both uh, from Latin America. I'm from Mexico. You're from Venezuela. And so we have that in common. And then he said, and we're both Jewish. And she goes, I'm not Jewish. And he said, with a name, last name like Neumann, you're Jewish. So she that night, she calls home, and, 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 and the phrase she used uh, to her father was, do we have Jewish blood? Uh, and he's like, don't ever use that term again. Bam, down goes the phone, no answer to that question. Well, when she was older, married, had kids, living in London, uh, her father passed away in, in Venezuela, and she, being the daughter, uh, had to go back to Venezuela and get everything in, in order. Well, as it turned out, pretty much her dad had taken care of all the paperwork and, and, and gotten rid of uh, this, these mounds of, of things in the house, the clutter and stuff that would have been there that she anticipated taking care of, except there were a few boxes and, uh, and a, a friend of her father's who worked for her father said, Ariana, your father wanted you to have these. Then she began to go through it, and she discovered that there were letters from the past. They were written in Czech. She couldn't understand them. There were pictures uh, of family and friends that she had no idea who they were. Uh, and uh, there were all kinds of mementos. And, and there was a card that had her dad's na- uh, uh, face on it, but not her dad's name. And so she began to research what was going on in in her dad's life back uh, when he was in his teens and 20s and discovered that she had family in California and in Paris, France, and uh, in in, uh, uh, Zurich, uh, Switzerland, uh, in in, uh, the former uh, uh, Czechoslovakia, 
And, and as she was tracking down all of these friends and relatives, uh, she came across uh, a, a, a young woman who was the daughter of uh, Frank. And Frank was the supervisor or the foreman at the, at the paint company that the Neumanns started, uh, but lost during the war. And here was the story. Uh, Czechoslovakia surrendered when Nazis invaded. They didn't even put up a fight. So everything now was under a fascist uh, regime, which meant everybody was under restrictions, but especially the Jew Jewish people. And more and more, the, the reins tightened. And, and from time to time, people would get this letter in the mail saying, come to the, uh, come to the, uh, the railroad station. And, and they knew that they were being deported, and deportation meant you were going to a concentration camp, and nothing good ever happened there. So her father, Hans Neumann, gets his letter saying, come to the railroad station. And he decides he's going to go into hiding, which is exactly what he does. He remains in the factory, but he is in a hidden room that only two other people know about. One is his older brother, Loti, and the other is Frank. And Loti and Frank, every evening after everybody else is gone, under the cover of darkness, they take care of his needs. And eventually, another plan is made, and Hans escapes under an assumed name, and he ends up, in of all places, in a paint factory, in Berlin. So now uh, Ariana is across from Frank's daughter and she's just being effusive about thank you. Thank you uh, on behalf of us and for what your father did. He was heroic. And, and, and the daughter just raised her hands and was like, stop, stop. My father never felt like a hero. He only did what he knew was the right thing to do. And he apologized uh, over and over again for not doing more. He apologized for the Czech people who allowed the things to happen that happened. So this, this morning, the, the message is how to make the right choice in, difficult, in a difficult situation based on Romans 12, 1 through 13 that uh, Joe just read. And as, as we uh, look at this, I, I want to kind of concentrate initially on Romans 12, 2, where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect will. Now, when we look at that, there's this huge promise at the end, but I want to look at the very first statement. Do not be conformed, or do not conform to the pattern of this world. And, uh, and, and when I look at that passage, I know uh, that, that the word that, that is translated this world, actually it, is, it, it isn't talking about the cosmos, the world, the physical world around us, but it's actually talking about this age uh, or this present age. In fact, Jesus uses uh, this, this term in one place to, to say uh, uh, this age and the age to come, talking about the two 
aspects of all of history. There's this age, this present age, and there is the age to come, where all things will, will culminate in the redemption of all the cosmos. So, And a this present age. Right now, this present age uh, for us is, is certainly different now than it was one year ago. One year ago, we were not wearing masks. Uh, one year ago, we were just learning about this thing called COVID-19. Uh, now we're at the point where we're going, when will it end? Are we almost to the finish line? And, and, it, and it informs our present circumstances. We shape some of our decisions uh, around this present age. Uh, when Frank was alive and Hans and Loti, that present age looked something like this. If you were Jewish, you were scared. If you were Jewish, you were uh, living a very small, tight world. If you were not Jewish, you were afraid to be speaking to Jews or helping Jews. And so you made decisions based on that fear in that present age. And, and so Paul, as he's writing, he's saying, here's one way to, to order your life around this present age. But he's saying, do not conform to the pattern of this world or this present age. Rather, or uh, uh, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because if you are moving in that direction, what happens is you experience this, I, this understanding that I, I, I am beginning to, to see what is happening in my life according to the grace found in Jesus Christ and the direction of God's Holy Spirit. I begin to discern God's will. I begin to, to understand that there is a good pleasing, and perfect will that God is working in our world right now. Now, when I, when I uh, think about that, that term, the perfect will of God, uh, you know, I, I, I can remember, and perhaps you've heard some teaching about the, the permissive uh, uh, will of God. There's the perfect will and there's the permissive will. And, and one of the places we... Uh, we may apply that thinking is in, uh, in this present age, in, in, in this present world, uh, the way that this present world thinks about it is in romantic terms, and, uh, and, uh, and I am looking for my soulmate. That's God's perfect will, is to, the, for me to find my soulmate, to find the right person. To, 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 uh, and and, and uh, if I find the right person, then I, my life will be according to God's perfect will. It'll, be, it'll go well with my soul. And, uh, and, and I'll just say, that's bunk. <laughs> you know, uh, and I can tell you, in, in, the, in that kind of, uh, in that kind of uh, situation, I do know God's perfect will for you is that not that you find the right person, but that you be the right person. And, and that all of, all of what God is doing in your life is about you being the right person. And so uh, as we look at this, you know, uh, I want to come down with one really just, it just 
it's, a, it's foundational to all of this in understanding uh, in a difficult situation, there's always, uh, you know, there's always this point of decision. And, and I've got to start with this truth. You and I, at that point, have a choice. You know, there's moments in our lives where, where we look back and it's just like, I really didn't have a choice. I had to, I had to do this. Uh, there's no way around it. I, I just had to, to make this choice. I'm uh, currently listening uh, to the autobiography of uh, Gabrielle Union, and I really didn't know who she, uh, she was, and, uh, but what interested me was... Uh, uh, was the title "We Need More Wine," and uh, and, and for some reason that kind of seemed funny to me, and so I decided I'm going to go ahead and 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 start listening to this, and, and it's, you know it's it's out of our public library system, so it wasn't going to cost anything, and as it turns out, it was it's been very very interesting because she's a she's a a, a black woman who's an actress. Uh, she's been in uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Uh, it was one of one of the movies that she's she's been in. So I've seen uh, at least one movie that she's been in. Anyway, uh, she's talking about she grew up in, initially in Nebraska, in Omaha, Nebraska, in a predominantly uh, black uh, area, and uh, and then uh, her father moved them to California, and he decided they were going to live in uh, Pleasanton, California, which is a predominantly white community. And, uh, and so it, it was um, middle to upper class, and middle to upper class, but she goes, you know, she starts into a school, you know, in grade school, and she is the black girl in school. And so she's trying to run away from her blackness. Uh, she doesn't want to stand out. I mean, she's just like every, every kid. You want to blend in. You don't want to stand out. And she's... Uh, and then uh, kids from across the track started being bussed in, and one of the kids happened to be another black girl. And I'll call her name Tasha. So Tasha comes, and, and, uh, and Gabby is uh, sitting at lunchtime with her white friends, and Tasha is just behind her. And, and Gabby does not want to acknowledge the other black girl in the room. She, she just, she's trying to distance herself from that. But one of the little white girls says, So Gabby, are you going to be friends with Tasha? Now, Tasha is close enough to hear. And, and I'm sure she's kind of leaning in. What's the answer going to be? And, uh, and, and Gabby kind of quietly says, And, and, and as soon as she says no, then the little girl goes, everyone who hates Tasha, raise their hand. And every little white girl, hand went up immediately. And Gabby freezes. But now all of her friends are staring at her, and finally she just kind of does this. And she feels miserable about it. But if this is, if the interesting thing, this is an adult woman looking back to that moment, and she would say, I made the wrong choice. Now, she was just a grade school kid. You know, I would say to, 
to, to, to Gabby, don't beat yourself up. You know, hopefully you've learned from that and you aren't making those same mistakes. But there's, you know, the thing about uh, difficult situations, you have no idea how you're going to run into a difficult situation. All I know is you and I are going to face some kind of difficult, disturbing situation in our life. And how do we make the right choice? Well, we got to come back to you have a choice. And, and again, Scripture shows us that um, Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, you know, basically everything is in bounds. Everything except for one thing. You know, they, uh, you know if you choose, I mean, it's kind of like, do you want steak or do you want chicken? Uh, there's no bad choice there. It's just choice. But there was one bad choice. And, and God said, uh, the only thing I tell, the only restriction I give you is you may not eat uh, of the uh, fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, you know, from this point on, we'll just pick up uh, human mythology and say the apple. You may not eat the apple. And so, so do they have a choice? Yeah, they can or can't. They may or may not eat the apple. And so what do they choose? They choose the apple. Bad choice. And it set the rest of us on a pattern of bad choices. But they had a choice. And, uh, and, and then we come to, the, to uh, a little bit further down the road. And, uh, and uh, now we're in the wilderness with uh, the people of uh, Israel. Uh, they're, they're coming to the end of that part of the journey. Uh, their leader is Moses. He, uh, he, is, he is... Pretty much immediately after the speech ends, he's going to go up the mountain, he's going to look at the promised land, and then he's going to die. And so these are kind of the last words of Moses. And, and in the last words, to the people he with a choice he says this day I called the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death so what are the choices okay so life and death and uh, and, and blessings and curses now choose life so he's uh, he's saying you've got a choice I would encourage you to choose life so that you and your children may live say I'm looking at that up there may live 20 no uh, uh, so that you you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and I love that you know this recognition when you choose right at, at the bottom line is you recognize the Lord is your life and uh and, and then he goes up, sees the promised land, and he dies. And God buries him. So immediately after that, then there arises a new leader, a leader Joshua. Joshua's uh, right hand, uh, Moses' right-hand man. Now he's getting ready to, to lead the people into the promised land, and he does that. 
He leads them into the promised land. They cross the Jordan. They, they conquer many peoples. And, and, and now he's at the end of his life. And, uh, and he's speaking to all the folks. And uh, he's gathered the tribes together. And now he's just days away from, uh, from dying. And in that moment, he gives them a choice. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods uh, your, of your ancestors, or the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. In other words, the gods on the other side of the Jordan and the gods on this side of the Jordan, you choose. But as for me and... Uh, and in my household, we will serve the Lord. And so, again, choice. They can choose. We can choose the gods of the past, the gods of the present, or we can God, uh, choose the eternal God. Um, not only is that true in Scripture, but we also find, uh, as I was reading a, a story, uh, uh, an article by Clint Smith, uh, he's a journalist, but he was teaching in an impoverished setting. Uh, the kids he was teaching, uh, many of them, over half of them, came to, to school hungry, having not eaten the night before or the morning of. Uh, also, uh, among his uh, students were those who had lost friends, who had actually been shot and killed in drive-bys. Uh, among his students were those who were living uh, with one parent or no parent. Uh, and so this was the, the circumstances surrounding uh, the, the kids that he was teaching. And, and in his article, he's talking about for students and their teachers, the quest is to balance the need to understand a pervasively unjust system. In other words, a need to recognize and understand my, uh, my situation, circumstances. And, uh, and against that, the need to nurture an awareness of agency. We acknowledge our circumstances, but we So we come back to, uh, again, Romans 12, and, uh, and I want us to read this together. And as we're reading this, think about there, are, there is a choice here, and what is that choice? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so there is a choice. What is the choice? Okay, I'm here. To conform or to be transformed. And, and, and so, you know, when we're gathered here, and, you know, it's talking about, you know, we talk about we're about transforming lives. Well, this is saying part of that transformation is when you come to a point of choice that you choose the renewing of your mind in order to understand, to test, and approve 
what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we come back to how to make the right choice in a difficult situation. I mean, that's the, the, the title of this message. And, and, and when we do that, I, you know, I th- think there are some specific characteristics that rise from this passage, and we're going to look at those characteristics of a one is just simply humility uh, and uh, you know I, and I was sharing in the first service uh, there was a one moment in my life uh, where I met an arrogant man and I have never forgotten that you know we know arrogance when it's in someone else we may not recognize it in ourselves but we recognize it. in this particular case it was um, was at my first church in Carrizo Springs, one of the families, uh, they had a 12-year-old son who was, who was thrown by his horse, and when he landed, he landed headfirst on a rock. And, uh, and uh, it was pretty serious stuff, and so he was, he was taken to San Antonio. Well, that's an hour and a half by car away, and as soon as I the car, and I headed to San Antonio. This is a family that they were... go through. Anyway, I get there as their pastor, and and I go to the ICU, and as I'm about to go in, the doctor is coming out, and he makes an offhanded comment, is, uh, yeah, go on in and let God get the credit. And I've never forgotten that. You know, that's what arrogance looks like. And like I said, we recognize it in other people. You know, my prayer is if arrogance shows up in me, uh, well, I don't have to worry about that. Ellen will knock me down a few pegs. <laughs> Anytime I get the big head, I'm, she, she's got that, that pin ready to pop my, bus, my bubble. But, uh, but verse 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distrib- distributed to each of you. And so there is this, this immediately after talking about renew your mind. Now Paul is saying as you're thinking just you know uh, don't think that you're all that in a bag of chips. You know don't get the big head. Sober, soberly review your life. Allow that opportunity to, to think through who you are and, and what's going on in your life. Um, I, I was listening to a, a, a um, speech by Denzel Washington. He was at a college speaking to the graduates. I don't know which college, but uh, it, it was a wonderful, uh, actually a wonderful testimony. And anyway, uh, at one point, he, he makes this statement. Uh, the point is every graduate here today has the training and the talent to, to succeed but do you have the guts to fail? And, and, I, and, and I, I thought about that, you know, is, is humility is the willingness to look silly as you're learning, you know, to, to allow yourself to make mistakes because you want to learn. And, uh, 
and when we were in the in Russia, one of the things that uh, that happened during that time is you know we we're in a new culture, in a new language, and uh, in in order to to expand and and uh, adapt to that culture, that present age, uh, it really took humility. You had to humble yourself. You had to not be afraid of making silly mistakes. You know what that's like if you've heard someone. Who, uh, who speaks and uh, English is a second language for them. Uh, sometimes they'll say something that just doesn't make sense or it is absolutely hilarious and you have to fight uh, bursting out laughing. You know, you've heard that. Well, we were the ones where Russian is a second language. And, uh, and there were plenty of occasions when uh, in conversation something was said that I'm sure that the Russian people had to fight everything in them to, to not laugh. But knowing that, for me, my world got smaller because I was, wanted to be perfect. And unless I was perfect, I wasn't willing to step out the door and, and learn. On the other hand, Ellen, uh, Ellen spent an entire day traveling to a dacha to spend all day Bending over, and I remember when she came back, she was so sore, but bending over uh, 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 and harvesting potatoes with our friend Natasha. And, and Natasha spoke uh, no English, and Ellen was still in the early, uh, early days of learning the language. And yet she was willing to be silly, foolish, whatever, and, and uh, to some extent a little bit terrified as she traveled with, with Natasha to that dacha. And, you know, because she was willing, uh, says she had the guts to fail, uh, Ellen did very well in the language. All right. The second uh, 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 characteristic is a clear sense of identity, uh, knowing who you are. Uh, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. As Paul is, un, uh, 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 is unfolding that, he, there's two things about identity in that passage. First of all, he says, so in Christ we. And, and so my, uh, my identity, your identity, when we come together, it is in Christ. Uh, you and I know that it's not uh, because we have done something wonderful that's got God's attention, now he wants to, to friend us. You know, no, it's because of what Christ has done and we've been willing to step into uh, his, his work and his action based on uh, the work of the cross. And so in Christ, that's where my identity, identity is. And we know that, we understand that. But there's a second aspect. My identity is not just simply I am in Christ, but I am in relationship with Christ's people. I'm in community. Uh, we, this community is Asbury. And, and you know, I, I am a part of that. You're a part of that. We are in Christ, but we're all in community with one another. That's our identity. And then the last thing is an awareness of being talented or gifted. Uh, Paul writes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And, and what that simply means is that you are in, in Christ, in community, and you have something that makes a difference. You have a gift. You have a talent. 
that makes us better as a people. And, uh, and, you know, and to, and to uh, deny that is false humility. Uh, to think it's all about you is false pride. And, and in humility, I recognize that I'm a, I'm a part of Christ, I'm a part of you, and I actually have something to bring to the table and offer. And so do you. So, then we get to, to the last two words, practice hospitality. And, and, and the thing that caught my attention is I'm always kind of, there's a point where I really get curious about uh, the word. And sometimes I'm able to, to get into that word. Now, I couldn't tell you what the Greek word uh, is in the original language. What I can tell you, though, is uh, what it means. And, and practice really has a sense of pursuit, uh, of going after something. Is You get it in your, in your uh, vision and you move toward that. And so practice is about going somewhere uh, in order to accomplish something. Um, for uh, just, just for the simple fact that it's March Madness, and I remember the fact that March Madness did not happen last year, that was the moment where I go, this COVID thing is serious. Well, it still is serious, but March Madness is happening. They're going to be in it because they won the Big 12 Conference uh, Championship last night. You know, so woohoo, yeah, hook them and all that. Uh, but I say that because one is because I'm the pastor and I get a chance to do it. <laughs> But the other reason is there's going to be men and women who are, who are moving toward a championship season. They're wanting to win this, this award or this, this trophy. And, and, uh, and they've been practicing, uh, not days or weeks or even a season, they've been practicing all their life for this moment. And uh, moment of awareness. big moment it was you know actually at that time and uh and I was standing on first base and uh and the guy uh whoever was up uh, hit got a really good hit and uh and and the next thing I know this was a kind of moment of realization I was on third base like this I mean, just as calm as, as, as I am right now, you know, not breathing hard or, or anything like that. And, uh, and, and, and I got there in a hurry. It's kind of like, it surprised me. Those two things, I was, I was fast in, in my 50s, and I wasn't uh, winded. And I, and I thought, how'd that happen? And, and then I started realizing, oh, that's all those mornings of getting up and, and going with my two friends, cycling up and down the hills around Richland Center. I, I didn't know at the time, as I was doing something that I enjoyed with friends, that I was getting stronger, faster, and, and, a, and a whole lot less winded. When we talk about practice, it's, it's about the idea of developing spiritual practices that you're doing over and over again in such a way that when the moment comes that you have to make a decision, 
you make the right choice because you've been practicing over and over, whether it's in the mornings or in the evenings. Now, I'm going to give you one practice, and what's interesting is I'm going to give you a different practice than I gave uh, the 8.30 service. So if you talk to somebody at 8.30, and I remember uh, not too long ago somebody said, you taught people Russian in the second service, and you didn't do that in the first. Well, this is one of those moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a practice assignment that I didn't give the first service. And if you want to find out what their practice uh, uh, assignment is, talk to someone who was at the first service. But here's your practice assignment, is, is, to, is to read Scripture. You know, take up that practice and, uh, and, and saying that, I know for some people it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I mean, the, the scriptures are kind of a scary thing for some people. It's, 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 it's like I've just asked you to do calculus unless you love calculus, you know. But, but I'm going to simplify it. If you don't read scripture and haven't read scripture, what I, I'm going to invite you to do is to read a, a uh, psalm. And there's 150 of them. So, the, you know, if you read two a day, it'll still take you almost three months. So, you know, it'll take you almost three months, two and a half months. If you do one a day, it'll take you, like, it'll seem like forever. But the thing about the psalms and why I invite you to read the psalms is you'll find out what it's like to be depressed with God, disappointed with God, delirious with God. I am going to stop with all those Ds. Uh, but, you know, what, what, the, what the Scriptures will teach you is how to exercise your spirit in all kinds of situations, when you're up, when you're down, or somewhere in between. So that's your assignment. And if you want to do the other assignment, you'll have to talk to folks in the, from the first service. Uh, having said that, then, the only thing left to say is to live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen?